Live, we go. Let's start Kirtan. Hare Krishna. Hare
Krishna Krishna Hare 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 Rama Hare Rama 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 Hare 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 Krishna Hare Krishna 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 Hare 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 Rama Hare Rama 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 Hare 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 Krishna Hare Krishna 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 Hare 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 Rama Hare Rama 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 Hare 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 Krishna Hare Krishna Hare Krishna Hare 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 Rama Hare Rama Rama Hare 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 Krishna Hare Krishna 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 Hare 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 Rama Hare Rama 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 Hare 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 Krishna Hare Krishna 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 Hare 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 Rama Hare Rama 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 Hare Hare Everyone from your heart Hare Krishna Hare Krishna 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 Hare 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 Rama Hare Rama 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 Hare Hare Everyone a little louder Hare Krishna Hare Krishna 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 Hare 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 Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare. Hare Rama, Hare Rama Rama Hare 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 Krishna Hare Krishna 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 Hare 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 Rama Hare Rama Rama Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare 
See all of you, <clears throat> at least the ones that I can see. <laughs> Hare Krishna. Uh, welcome everybody to Wisdom Wednesdays. So nice to see you all. And uh, tonight, today, it's going to be very special. And we have with us again, once again, our beloved special guest, um, Mahatma all the way from America and uh, so we're looking forward to spiritual but not religious that's yes. the theme for tonight yes and I leave it there um, well just a little introduction for those of you who might not have met uh, Mahatma yet um, Mahatma has been a practitioner in the Bhakti tradition for over 50 years and he's a great teacher and he's all about making uh, bhakti practical and um, palatable and possible so um, yeah I've been reading his books I've been following his seminars and uh, the way he is able to, to you know to explain and to inspire you to, to, to go deeper is, is, is very very unique so I feel very fortunate to have his association tonight again. And um, thank you, Prabhu, for being with us. Hare Krishna. Glad to be here and see all of you. Some familiar faces and some no faces. <laughs> <laughs> well, you don't have to hide from me. I won't bite you. So um, this is a big topic. And 
I actually wrote a book on it. We haven't published it yet because um, because of the pandemic, we slowed it down, and I worked on other things, and now we're finishing the book. But it's a very, very big topic, and um, we could do many lessons on this topic. In fact, there's 13 chapters in my book. We could do 13 lessons, and that may be something that we consider doing as a, as a workshop online. But in order... In order to discuss this properly, the first thing we have to do is just define what we mean by the title, because different people are going to have different ideas of what's spiritual. <laughs> reveal, reveal your beautiful face to the world. We want to see you. <laughs> so, you know, when we define spiritual and we define religious, then all of us may have some idea, you know, and so... I need to like discuss this a little more so that we're on the same page in terms of what I'm speaking about. Now, this idea of spiritual but not religious came from, I think, the obvious fact that there are many religious people who are not very spiritual. And it doesn't mean that all religious people are not spiritual. But under the garb of religion, many non-spiritual things happen. And also, some religious views can seem, especially for younger people, to be antiquated, that they don't exactly relate to the world today. You know, traditional roles and values uh, don't always seem to apply to the modern world. So some people feel that religions are out of touch. They're not real with what's going on. And, and then people, other people feel like, well, you know, if it's one religion, it's got one idea. And and what if I like some ideas in Christianity, but I don't like others? Like I like the idea of love your neighbor, but I don't think that God would send people to hell forever because they went to the wrong church. So then you have this problem, right? I like maybe this teaching of Christianity, but this church is saying everyone who doesn't follow this teaching or this church is going to go to hell and burn forever. And just the, the idea of burning, that God would burn someone forever it's, it's hard to make sense of that so then you have that problem oh i like these teachings but i don't like these so i can't buy the whole thing so that's where <clears throat> that's a basic idea of where spiritual comes so if i and, and then all oh, the other ideas <clears throat> i understand there's certain common denominators <clears throat> for what's spiritual and i think it's kind of intuitive intuitively we understand if somebody's spiritual He's probably not on his fourth marriage, right? And he's probably not living in a big manor house in somewhere, you know, 10,000 square foot with three Mercedes in front. Probably not, although there are many so-called spiritual people that do that. And not necessarily, is that not true? Not necessarily does it mean they're not spiritual, but we've seen people in the name of spirituality make a lot of money. And in fact, those of you or Indian, may know that the guru business in India is a very good business. And in fact, if you're going to university, into IT, you, you may want to reconsider becoming a guru as a side business because you can make more money. You have to fool people. You have to, you know, have to dress up and make believe like you're spiritual. But, and so people do that. They actually do that as a business and they wear the robes and they learn some philosophy and how to move their head and grow their beard and 
you know, wear the turban and then they're good to go and get, you know, big advertising firm. And there they are, you know, and you see them on YouTube and like, oh my God, this person's amazing. So that's going on. So we see that and we think, okay, this is not spiritual. It's not spiritual. He's got too many girlfriends to be, these girls are too close to him. His cars are too nice. His Rolex watch, it doesn't fit. So we look at that and we say, nah, religion is, it's got watered down or corrupted. And then maybe the icing on the cake is terrorism in killing in the name of God, which is not only in Islam, as you know, the Crusades, it happened in Christianity. So it's like, you see this kind of fanaticism coming where, where religious people become a little bit too religious, right? So um, it creates a problem. And you have too much religion, what happens? You start hating people who aren't of your religion. And that's where we got this beautiful statement. I forget who wrote it, but you've probably heard it. We have just enough religion to hate one another, but we don't have enough religion to love one another. You've heard that before? So I think that kind of encapsulates the problem for many people. And I don't, I don't want to put down religious people or any religious organization, which is genuinely spiritual. But this is definitely a problem. We have enough religion, just enough to hate you, but not enough to love you. And then I think the last thing is um, ritual. You, you may be aware that some people are very good at ritual, but they're not very spiritual. They know how to do the ritual. They do, especially in um, uh, India, Hinduism. There's lots of much, many more rituals than in Christianity. And some people love rituals, and some people are good at rituals, and they do the rituals religiously, quote unquote. But you look at their lives, and their lives look pretty much like the lives of everybody else who's not religious. Have you ever noticed that? That sometimes the religious people's lives look the same as the people who are not religious? And have you noticed that sometimes their lives look worse than the people who are religious? Okay, that sounds funny. They did a survey, and you know what they found? They found that people, only a small percentage of religious people show more compassion than secular people. In other words, secular people in general show more compassion than religious people. Isn't that strange? Did you know that? Any of you heard that before? That, that you know, they, there was a test. They could, the questions you answer or something, they could test your level of compassion. And people who didn't claim to be religious scored higher in compassion than religious people. The highest scores were religious people, but there may be only 5% of religious people. And beyond those 5%, the religious people had the lower scores. So I can explain, I can explain why this happens. And, and this phenomena has caused many people to distance themselves from religion, even religions that could help them. Because there's, there's, this, there's this problem when you become too religious, even too spiritual, it starts to become us and them where we start thinking we're better. Which is ironic, because if you're actually spiritually advanced, you become more humble. So you wouldn't think you're better. You would respect more. But when, <clears throat> this is just my realization, you're not going to find this in any book or scripture, this is my experience. 
of being part of a religious movement, practicing spirituality, and observing other people, that the, the ego is so excitable. I think that's the best way to explain it. Our ego is easily excitable. Like you do some little thing, and someone says, hey, Dave, that was great. You know, and it's like, yeah, you know. You know, one little thing, and it's just like, you know, you know, what what did he do? You know, and it's like, oh, he was going to step on an insect, and he walk around, and they go, Dave, you're the man. You didn't walk on that insect. And the whole day, he's like, yeah, flying on the moon, you know. So that, the tendency of, of spiritual people is because spiritual people do those things. They don't walk on the insects. They eat the right food. They do they tend to think they're better. And, and in many ways, we could say objectively, they do things better, but not everything. And so what happens when you start, look at, I get up in the morning and I chant, I'm better than you. You just lay in bed, you know, and when you get up, you look at Facebook. So objectively speaking, I'm better. But a spiritual person won't think that way. He won't think I'm better. And so here lies the problem. When you do something better, it doesn't mean you're better. It just means you're doing something better. That's all it means. You may actually be worse. You know, just because I do something better doesn't mean I'm better necessarily, right? Maybe I'll be better 50 years from now if I'm doing something which is right and you're not. But just because I'm doing it doesn't mean I'm better. Because what I've seen, and this is, this is a warning to all of you to be careful, because I think all of you, or practicing spiritual life, or want to practice it. When you start practicing it, you start doing things which are good. And if you do things which are good, naturally you think, I am good because I do things which are good. It's just like normal, right? The problem is, it be, kind of becomes universal. I do two things that are good, and 20 things that are bad, and I don't see the 20 things that are bad because I did the two things that are good, and I think the two things that are good make me good everywhere, and we don't notice. Does that make sense? I've, I've seen this um, in my own life and the lives of others. When you start, if you're on a spiritual path, <clears throat> you will be doing things differently than the average person. You're not going to be spending your time in bars. You're not going to be running after the almighty pound, you're, you know, you're going to be a little bit controlled and so forth. So when you do those things, it kind of makes you think that every aspect of your life is good uh, and better than other people when it's not necessarily true. It's only, I, you're doing a few things good. And because you, if you think you're spiritual, the, the brain says, okay, you're spiritual. Everything you do is good. They're not spiritual. Everything they do is bad. Something like that. That's, you know, we like to compartmentalize, isn't it? It's like most people find it easier just if you put things in compartments, it's easier to think, isn't it? Well, I'll just, you know, you're all bad and these people are good. Okay, I've got that figured out. All right. You know, there's no nuances. It's just black and white. So sometimes easier for us to think that way. Okay, I'm spiritual. They're not. I'm good. They're not. It's not like that. So, I think one of the most disrupting things for people who are looking at religion is they see this, this right self-righteousness in religion, and it turns them off like anything. And they think, I want to take the spiritual path so I don't end up like that. 
So that's where this idea, as far as I understand, comes spiritual, but not religious. I don't want to end up like that. But unfortunately, even on the spiritual path, it's easy to end up a little bit like that. So I want to talk about that today. Um, the, the challenge of being spiritual. So let's imagine, you know, like when you're at the airport, you have the security gate you walk through. And if you have some metal, it'll beep. So let's imagine there's a gate. It's called the spiritual gate. And you're going to walk through it. And it's going to see <clears throat> if you're spiritual or not. And if you're not spiritual, it's going to go ding, 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 ding. And you'll be embarrassed in front of everybody. And, and if you are spiritual, it doesn't make a sound. And you can walk through and you can go to the Holy Land and be liberated. So let's have a little discussion now. So you can speak up, you know, unmute yourself. What do you think that spiritual, what do they call those detectors, metal detectors? Okay, it's um, called a Maya detector, illusion detector. Okay, well, what do we want to call it? Um, Non-spiritual detector. What's the word? I need a word. Somebody give me a word. The, um, all right, until we come up with a better word, the non-spiritual detector. Okay, so it's going to see if you're not spiritual. So I want to ask you, Maya detector, what is it looking for? You know, like what, what, what would you have in your consciousness or what would someone have in their consciousness that would make the Maya detector, the non-spiritual detector, would, would make it beep, make it go off? What would you have to have? Pride. Pride, oh yeah. Definitely, they, pride. Beep, beep, beep. They don't think what I think. Yeah. Uh, material attachments. Ego. What? Ego, ego or being egotistical. Yeah. yeah, ego, yeah. Which is a brother or sister of pride. Yeah, they go together. Partners in crime. Um, <clears throat> yeah. What else? This is good. Envy. Envy. Good. Desire to possess and control. Oh, yeah. We're getting right to the heart of material consciousness. Ego, pride, envy. You want to make a list, Sham Govinda? Make, make the list in chat. All the things we have to avoid. Um, greed. Um, the, the, the reason I'm asking this question is not so much to gather the exact details, but to show you how we just intuitively know what is material. And what is spirit? We just we we don't have to read a book, isn't it? You just kind of know if you're with someone, they're spiritual, or this person's material. You you can understand uh, compassion, kindness, forgiveness, and like that. These are qualities of people who are spiritually evolved. So here's the problem. All right, all right. Um, I think we all understand this. I should be more compassionate. If I'm evolving spiritually, I should be more detached. I should be kinder, patient, more forgiving. Okay, so I'm going to tell you something that's very, very significant. It's a story, and it's very significant. <clears throat> Some of you know that I teach a workshop on forgiveness. And this workshop began 
maybe 15 years ago. And most of the people I've taught, the majority of people I've taught the workshop to believe in karma. It's very rare that I do a workshop that, that I attract people that they're not on that level, spiritual level, or within our organization, I teach it. And so everyone understands the principle of karma. So we know the principle of karma is you only get what you deserve. You, you've created something and then there's a reaction. <clears throat> so I play a little joke on them. It's a forgiveness workshop. That means they have someone to forgive. So I play a little joke on them and I say, how many of you believe in karma? All the hands go up, you know, 50 people in the room, 50 hands. And then I say, if you believe in karma, why are you here at a forgiveness workshop? Because who's there to forgive? You did something that created a reaction. Now you're getting it. So why would you have to forgive anybody? And they all kind of laugh and look at one another. But it's a very important point, isn't it? Like, if you understand karma, then in theory, you wouldn't have an issue with anyone who mistreated you, so-called mistreated you, because you would understand that mistreatment is something uh, that's coming as a reaction to something I did, either in this life or another. <clears throat> right? That's karma, right? Clear, right? Right, Fabio? Clear, right? Clear. And then, so now I'm at a re forgiveness workshop to get rid of resentment for someone who did something to me that I has la labeled abuse, which if I believe in karma, I must have created. Now, sometimes it's really difficult to understand how the person, what the person did was so bad, so wrong that I would deserve it. That's, you know, it's taking it to another level. But let's just say general bad relationships, not, you know, murder, rape, and so forth. But, gen you know, because most of our resentments are, you know, my mother never said she loved me, and my big brother used to steal my lunch, you know, every day, and things like that. <clears throat> so, so here is the biggest problem that I see on the spiritual path. You understand first, this is how you learn. First thing is you understand in your head, it's intellectual, right? And in the course we did the last six weeks of London, we went through this a little bit. You understand something in your head. And here's the problem. When we understand something in our head, we actually think we understand it where we may not be living it in our lives. It's, it's very, I don't know, it's, I don't want to say there's anything wrong with us. I think it's the nature of the intellectual process that when you intellectualize something, you think, okay, I got it. Just like you all understand karma, right? If I say, sorry, dear, do you understand karma? And you're like, yeah, I got it. I got it down. I know. I mean, I could give a whole course on karma. I could tell you exactly what it is. And, and then I say, well, do you ever have any problems with people mistreating you? And I say, oh, yeah, all kinds. You dealing with some issues? Oh, yeah. So I say, wait a minute. I thought you understood karma, but why would you have issues? So that's, that's the problem. And why it's a problem is because when <clears throat> we have those realities that would, that would tell us that we actually don't understand, we don't see them, because we think we understand. That's the problem in your in becoming genuinely spiritual. And I think 
that's that's that area that people have problems with religious people where they they're reading the bible every day and they hate their neighbors and you're looking at them going i don't understand this you know this person's so religious they go to mass every night and but they're so nasty and this guy next door he's an atheist and he goes around the neighborhood and he's feeding all the homeless people and you're like looking at this and going this this is weird this doesn't make sense some of the nicest people i know they don't even believe in god and the religious people are like very uptight and stuffy and you know we can make a movie you know jesus tries to get into a church and they don't let him in because he's not dressed properly something like that you know i always wanted to make a movie you know jesus is in church and he's they're preaching and he's like looking at the guy next to him i never said that you know so it would be quite fun you could make a comedy you know go into different churches listening to them and, and then jesus explains no what i said was this not what they're saying but anyway let's let's bring this into our lives so okay i want to ask you a question now imagine you have a friend and you haven't seen that friend in 10 years and now you're you're on the spiritual path all of you are on the spiritual path and your friend comes to stay with you right and you don't tell them anything about your spiritual path but you're doing your spiritual practice whatever it is your study your chanting your your sangha your classes your puja your kirtans your, you just do your regular life whatever that regular life is or isn't how much of what you believe would that friend understand by looking at you by what by looking at your life how much would they understand <laughs> maybe <laughs> the question is how much would they misunderstand in other words <clears throat> by looking at your life what would they understand that you believe okay you get up in the morning first thing cup of coffee and facebook right and then you do meditation for 13 seconds 13 and a half seconds then you go to work and work for like 14 hours and on, on the weekends you go to spend you know eight hours at the mall buying things you don't need so what are they going to think about your spiritual practice they're going to think uh, you don't really have one right but in your mind you may be thinking no i'm spiritual and so you don't notice does that make sense to you so this is this is the challenge to actually notice what we're doing because that that concept that i'm spiritual can ruin everything because it it becomes kind of becomes a panacea that everything i do is spiritual even when it isn't <clears throat> so why is why is this why is this happening in the world where we see so much hypocrisy <clears throat> one of the reasons is because we're not self-aware and the the ego it's so big it doesn't want to be self-aware right just like right now if i said okay d i want you to be thoroughly honest about every problem you have you'd be like ah and all of a sudden you know she disappears off zoom you know what happened to d she she disappeared in outer space who wants to who wants to face it and who would who would want to admit right 
Okay, I say, D, you have to admit all your faults in front of us. I say, I don't even know you guys. You know, so, um, but 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 for D, for you to admit it just to yourself is hard enough. What to speak of others? So the false ego. This is what the false ego does, and this is why we have this problem. The false ego. We have this concept of who we are, and if anything we do doesn't fit within that concept, we don't notice that we do it. Or sometimes it becomes like, I may not be such a nice person, but if I think I'm nice, I don't notice when I'm not nice. And in fact, when I'm not nice, I think it's nice. I think often I think I'm doing things nice, which are nice, because I think I'm nice, and they're not nice, and I don't notice it. That's the ego. The ego doesn't want to say, wait a minute, let's look at this objectively. I'm really in these areas of my life. I need some work. I'm not as good as I thought. Now, why this happens is not only ego, it's psychology. They're, they're connected. But psychologists tell us that whatever conception you have of yourself, of who you are, you will see everything you do as an extension of that conception, right? So if I'm a nice guy, at least if I think I am, then even when I don't act like a nice guy, I think I'm acting like a nice guy because nice guys would only act like nice guys and I don't notice when I'm not acting like a nice guy. That's kind of dangerous, isn't it? Because that being true, it's hard to understand to differentiate when our actions are not aligned with our, with spirituality. Because if I think I'm spiritual, then I think everything I'm doing is spiritual, even when it's not. Does that make sense? You ever you have that experience? You ever go through that um, embarrassing reality? And I think some of us have that experience, but we just don't want to admit it because it's painful, <laughs> humiliating. And But uh, I would like to just let everybody know that if you have that experience, you're totally normal. This is just something which we all go through, and we will go through all the time. But in order to become spiritual rather than religious, we have to look through the externals. For I, you know, I lived in temples, monasteries, ashrams <clears throat> for years, decades. And so we all got up very early. We uh, started our program 4.30 in the morning, got up at 4 o'clock at the latest and started at 4.30. And so when you do that, you kind of think you're spiritual because externally you're doing all the things you're supposed to do. So from 4.30 till 9 o'clock or 8.30, four hours every day, studying, chanting, praying. If you study, chant, and pray, you're pretty spiritual, right? So I want to tell you a funny story. Is this this I heard from a Catholic monk? Catholics pray every morning. So he went home to visit his mother and he was praying every morning. And his mother would come while he was praying and knock on the door. Do you like some water? You know, you're praying, you know, you don't want to be bothered. Okay, just leave it at the door. Come back a half hour later. Do you like some tea? Uh, just leave it at the door. Come back uh, an hour hour later. Anything else you want? Just leave me alone. I'm praying. So um, 
I have another funny one for you. These are all true stories. They're funny, but they illustrate this point. There's a convent in America, I don't know if you have these in your country, called Sisters of Mercy. You have any convent called Sisters of Mercy? Catholic, you know. In, in America, they have different Catholic orders. It's like, you know, somebody conceptualizes a convent or, and then they give it a name and they wear, some of the nuns wear blue, some wear black, some wear blue and yellow, you know, no, they don't wear yellow, blue and white. It's different. And the churches look a little different and the, everything's slightly different. It's an order within the church. It's an order. So there's one order called Sisters of Mercy. And this is a true story. <clears throat> on the gate, on the wall of their convent, they have a no trespassing sign. And in America, I don't know if you have this in Europe or England, if you really are serious about people not trespassing, on the sign it will say, no trespassing, trespassers will be prosecuted to the full extent of the law. In other words, if you trespass, we're, we will prosecute you as, as fully as possible. You know, whatever the law, however the law will punish you, we're going to shoot, we're going to go to court and we'll shoot for that. So here's this sign on the convent. It says, no trespassing, trespassers will be prosecuted to the full extent of the law, signed Sisters of Mercy. True story. And I think that embodies everything I wanted to say. We can all go home now and go to sleep because there it is. It's on the sign and they couldn't even see the paradox on the sign. Isn't that interesting? Don't you find that interesting? It's like, if anywhere you would see it, you would think when you write it down. And um, Sisters of Mercy have no mercy. How did that happen? Right? There's another story. Maybe you've heard this one. So there's these two saints. They live on the beach. And they live in a place where there's a lot of reefs. <clears throat> and a lot of boats come to, to deliver their goods near where they're on the beach. And they just live under a tree. And they do their <clears throat> they do their meditation and spiritual practice. But in addition, because they know where the reefs are, they guide the boats in. And so all these boats that could have gotten capsized by getting by slamming into a reef, they guided them around the reefs. And they became kind of famous because people appreciated that so many boats were coming delivering goods that we need. And it's a very dangerous area. And these two saints are actually saving us and saving all the people on the boat. So they thought, they're just living on the beach out in the elements. Why don't we build something for them where they could stay inside? So all the people got together, they raised money, and they built a shelter where they could live. And so what happened was, People appreciated so much what they were doing, they wanted to hang out with them. They wanted to spend time. So they, they would come there and spend time. And that, that's why they decided, not only did the saints need shelter, we don't want to sit outside all summer, all winter also. So they built this beautiful place and people came. And so it happened that 
a certain season of the year, there weren't ships coming or the waters weren't rough and the, 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 the people were just hanging out. They had nothing to do. So they kind of turned that place into a recreation hall because they were just hanging out, you know, ping pong table and what's that other one? Caroms, you call it caroms? I forget. It's been so long. I haven't played it since I was in elementary school. You know, the little chips and or maybe there's a pool table in there. And this and that, little games, right? So then the season comes and the ships come in and on the ships are all the sailors. So the sailors are, they're dirty, they're sweaty, they've been at sea and they come in and they're, they're you know, half of them are, you can smell alcohol in their breath. They're, they're that kind of person, you know, they're not, they're not all clean and polite and um, proper. So they come in rah, rah, rough and tough and smelly and dirty and loud. And because all the people that were there to support, they were kind of complaining. Oh, they, everything's nice. And then these guys come and, you know, come in to take a shower and mess everything up. And that was actually the purpose the place was created. But as time went on, they they kept saying, these guys, we don't want these guys. You know, we don't want these guys coming in. But it, this shelter was really ultimately for the sailors. So what happened was the two saints became kind of frustrated because they said, you know, well, the purpose, the purpose is to help the ships and the sailors. And now this has just become like a recreation home. And they left. And they went off to start another one. And that place became a recreation hall. And, and gradu gradually, it became a recreation hall because everybody forgot why what its purpose was. Nobody knew. And someone came and said, what's going on here? You know, this is, this is supposed to be for the sailors and to bring the boats in. And everyone says, what are you talking about? This is a recreation hall. You're crazy. And so those two saints, they went off. And they started bringing the ships in. And then some people started coming. And then some people thought, why don't we build a place? And then the same story kept happening. And that, that is the story which is used to exemplify what has happened to so many religions. The original purpose is lost. And it just becomes a social gathering. And I think we can see that. So um, my spiritual master always said the purpose of religion is to love God. And what, what we have to be careful now is that now it's kind of cool to be spiritual. When I was young, it was, it was like, it was cool to be spiritual, but you had to be weird also to be cool when I was young. If you weren't weird, you weren't cool. It's not so much like that now. But now it's kind of cool to be spiritual, isn't it? You know, get your purple Om T-shirt, and you know you're like cool. You know, get the Om tattoo, and you're you're the man or the woman, right? So, um, and then if you learn how to do kirtan, you know, you kind of dress up, and you know, and it becomes almost it almost becomes like the same thing that's going on outside, within the spiritual sphere. It enters the ego, enters fame, prestige, and so forth. So. These are things we have to be careful about when we're talking about genuine spirituality, because these things can enter. And then 
we can falsely think we're spiritual when actually we're not. So now, because today is your lucky day, we have an exercise for you. And this is an exercise to help you determine how spiritual you are. And it's just for you. It's not going on the internet for the world to see. But it's for you to analyze uh, different characteristics by which we could evaluate our spirituality. And then you could see where you need to work. So there's a file. If you go to chat, there's a file. And there it is. Are you spiritual? So if you click on that, you can download it. And then I'm going to click on it. Oh, yeah, you can download it. I don't need to download it since I already have it on my computer. So why don't you go download it and open it up, and then I'll just explain it to you. It's self-explanatory. But, but Yeah, I have to find it myself. So I don't need to explain it to you. It's self-explanatory. You're just, um, it's listing spiritual qualities, and then you're just analyzing on a scale of one to 10 how much you imbibe these qualities. And then you'll, so you'll get to see where you need to work on. It's a, a self-evaluation. So it's not to be graded or shown to anyone. It's for your own work. So I think it'll probably take you five, 10 minutes. And then what I wanted to do is um, discuss some of the qualities and, and allow you to share um, what your realizations are from doing this. So if anyone is having difficulty downloading it for some reason, let me know. But you can download it on your computer and then you can just give yourself a score for each question. You look in the chat, Fabio, and it says, are you spiritual exercise doc? And then you click on that and you can download it on your device. And if you are having trouble, I do not see it in the chat, go up. Go. Um, is it for, was it sent to everybody or just to me? No, it was sent to everyone. Is there anyone else who doesn't see it? The file is... Oh, there it is again. Now it's on the bottom of the chat. Well, it was on the bottom. <laughs> it's the link above your comment. Hmm, some people can't see it. That's strange. Okay. Oh, no. Oh, no. Okay. Um, some of you are seeing it, some not. So maybe, Sham Govinda, we should just share it on the screen. Um, okay. Maybe 
doesn't work on some phones or so, yeah. Okay, we'll, we'll share it on the screen. Okay, let me work that out. Mm. When, um, when you answer the questions, if you don't know what it means, give it a definition yourself. And don't think too long. It's just, um, it's kind of like an, a intuitive analysis of your spiritual standing at this present moment in time. And, you know, some things you'll have high scores and some low. And it's, it's a good reflection and we can discuss it. So he will bring it up and then when you, when he brings it up on the screen, then just on, you can write down the number of the question and next to the number, you can write a score of one to 10. 10 meaning you follow this fully, one meaning you don't or anywhere in the middle. You want me to upload it? Yes, please. Because um, I'm not sure how to do it myself. Okay, I have to be made the host to do it. Okay, that's not a problem. Shram, you can just allow Mahatma Prabhu to, sh to share his screen. So, okay. There it is. So um, I'll just go over it with you so you're clear. Are you spiritual? The chart below will help you estimate your level of spirituality. These questions are based on the character of a spiritually realized person as described in sacred texts. On a scale of one to 10, note the degree to which you imbibe the following behaviors or qualities. One meaning you never demonstrate these behaviors and 10 meaning you consistently demonstrate these behaviors. So it's a number, let's just do a few examples. Um, I am satisfied within. If you're always satisfied, it's a 10. If you're always not satisfied, it's a one. If you're sometimes satisfied within, sometimes hankering for things you don't have, maybe five. <clears throat> and then I live simply and you'll say, well, what's the definition of simply? For the sake of this exercise, you can give it a definition. And this is your own estimation. I do live simply. I, I don't have much more than I need and so forth. So I think it should be straightforward and don't um, fret too much over it. And just whatever comes to mind, spontaneously and intuitively, you give yourself a score. And then afterwards, we'll share a little bit and, and we'll talk about some of the areas we made that are difficult, we may need to work on. Okay, does anyone have any questions about that? If you do, send me a message in chat and I can answer it.
So when you finish, note, note down the last question, areas that, that you think you need to work on and where you're weak. Ten is your super, yes. Don't be overly humble when you answer these questions. Just try to be objective. Okay. Does I'm going to Does anyone need more time?
Does anyone need any antidepressants right now? <laughs> okay. So, if we can see your face, we're going to have a little discussion. And And um, in which we're going to share our realizations and share where, if you like, where you're doing well and not so well. Somehow the chat is not showing up on my screen, so I... Anyway... Okay. Does anyone need more time? Raise your hand if you need more time. I, I'm not sure if you do or not. Michael needs more time. Anybody else? De Leon. Anyone else? You can. You two can keep working, and we'll we'll um, have a discussion. So, um, I think the first place to to start the discussion is what happened while you were doing this. I mean, what was going through your mind, or anything, any realization. From this exercise, or it was. Yeah, my my realization was that I should ask myself these questions more often. Uh huh. Reflection, self-reflection. Yeah. All right, but then I'll ask you a question. Why don't you ask yourself these questions more often? What do you think the reason is? Maybe because it's not comfortable, or I. I'm not very introspective. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. I should, I know I should, but uh, I don't know. I mean, I guess I'm attracted to something else. <laughs> um, yeah, this is, this is, um, all these qualities that we listed were just taken from, you know, Bhagavad Gita and other spiritual books. Like we didn't make anything up. These are just, um, and it's, I think it's extremely important to always reflect on what I'm doing as opposed to what I'm knowing. As I said, as I said earlier, when we know, we think we're doing, but when we actually analyze what we're doing, we can see, oh, 
I know this, but I'm not doing it. And then I think, Sham Govinda, I think the next question is, if I know it and I'm not doing it, then the next question is, why? What's, what's getting in the way between cognition, assimilation, and practice? Um, is it too difficult? Am I resistant? Do I think I can't do it? Is it uncomfortable? Is it hard work? Could be so many reasons. And I think, I think for many of us, it's uncomfortable and hard work just to do this exercise. You know, which is why we don't do it. But I, I can say from my own experience, like this kind of work is essential. If you want to improve, even materially speaking, not just spiritually. Because in, in any kind of work that I have done to improve myself, we always start with something like this, because we need to know what to work on. We start with an analysis. Like, <clears throat> sometimes I do workshops on marriage. So I will start in the beginning on a scale of one to 10, grade your marriage. Or on a scale of one to 10, grade your marriage in these four areas. Or if we want to do a workshop on your life, on a scale of one to 10, how are you doing in your relationships, your career, your finances, your health, recreation, spirituality, you know, these divisions. And then, and then when you get a score, then immediately you can think, okay, well, I've got a low score here. Natural question is, how do I get the score up? And ultimately, how do I get the score to 10? And so that's a question you can also ask yourself from this chart. How could I get all of these to 10? Right? So I can get a 200. Or somebody got a 190. That was pretty good. How many questions are there? 20 or 25? I can't see anymore. Um, hold on. I'm going to go double check. There's oh. 30 questions. 30. Okay. So, so then the question is, how can I get this up to 300? Maybe not tomorrow, but in, in this, before I leave this world, if I can get this to 300, then I can say, I'm definitely spiritual, despite whatever religious, however religious I look, if I'm, if I'm at close to 300, I'm definitely spiritual. So the natural question is going to be on those, those areas you've got low scores on, what can you do? Why do you have the low scores? What can you do to improve? This is, this is how it works. And we get sidetracked from this. I think Sham Govinda, probably one of the reasons we're sidetracked from this is we already think like you're living in the ashram. So you're, you know, you're engaged all day. So naturally you think, well, I'm already spiritual. So we don't think about these things. But this is dissecting spirituality beyond externals to, you know, the consciousness, the virtue, beyond what it just looks like because I can, because you can do something spiritual and be completely in materialistic consciousness, right? You can do kirtan for one reason, to become famous, not to share kirtan, right? Isn't it? To become, I want to be known as a great kirtaniya, great kirtan leader, you know, have my name and fame all over YouTube, you know? So that's why I'm doing kirtan. So you're not going to spiritually benefit if you do kirtan like that. I'm going to become spiritually advanced. Why? Because the girls will like me. The girls like spiritually advanced guys. So I'll become spiritually advanced and the girls will like me. So you can take anything pure and contaminate it. And so that, because 
our conditioning is like that. Our conditioning is to exploit. So we can exploit spiritual things. So we have to be reflective and, and say, well, just because I'm doing kirtan or just because I'm chanting, I might be chanting and thinking, you know, I'm very spiritually evolved. I'm, I'm more spiritually evolved than most people. And my chanting is really, instead of purifying me, it's, it's inflating my ego. It's possible. Isn't that interesting? You'd think something so pure as chanting would make me humble. But it's possible that it can make me proud that I'm, I'm spiritual or I'm more spiritual than others. Just see how great my chanting is. I'm one of the greatest chanters God has ever created. And so all that's happening by chanting is I'm becoming more proud. So this kind of reflection is um, it's really, really important. And I think a lot of times we don't do it because we make the assumption, well, if I'm doing the spiritual things, I must be spiritual without actually analyzing. You know, And that's why, that's why when I did the forgiveness course, I've done it maybe 30 times. It was one of the most eye-opening things to see people on the spiritual path really troubled by resentment. And resentment, when you think about it, is about as far away from spirituality as it gets because it's just revenge, hatred. You want to punish somebody. I mean, how, how far can you get away from spirituality? And the people who are practicing every morning up and chanting are still holding on to resentment. This is a reality. It's just a reality of our condition. <clears throat> and I, from doing all those courses, I realized that uh, we need a lot more uh, reflection on what's actually going on inside. So thank you for sharing that. Who else would like to share what struck them just from doing this exercise? Anybody get depressed after they did it? Hare Krishna, I realized um, that there's some people who are seemingly not on the spiritual path, but they exude um, some of these qualities yeah, at yeah. a level 10, whereas I'm far <laughs> underneath that. Yeah. Um, it's true. And that's another, another dilemma. Okay, I can explain a little bit about this, but I'm glad you brought this up. Um, we have passed... This wasn't the first life, so we're bringing in a lot of stuff from the past. And some people, when they are born, they're born pretty elevated to start with. They're more generous, they're more compassionate, they're kinder. And some people, it may take lifetimes of spiritual practice to catch up to this other person who was like that when they were six years old because of their past involvement. So that's sometimes bewildering. But also, it becomes even more bewildering when the person doesn't even believe in God. <laughs> then you're thinking, wait a minute, he's, he's an atheist, and he seems to be like kinder than these religious people. Um, one thing I would say about that, and in, in, especially in today's age, many of you know it's Kali Yuga, things are extremely mixed up. And the spiritual and the material... Um, they kind of come in the same package sometimes. But the only problem, the only problem is that if someone may have so many good qualities, but if, if they're not 
if they're not connected spiritually, that those good qualities only help them materially. It doesn't help them spiritually because they don't want to go. It's unfortunate, but they don't want spirituality. So the compassion, the kindness, and so forth, it's very good for them materially, but it doesn't help them spiritually because they don't want spirituality. So I think it's I think it's good also that you notice that and even someone is not so spiritual but they have those good qualities that we can appreciate and use them as an inspiration. I think we should always I I personally find that we should always see these good qualities wherever we can see them and be inspired by them who no matter who embodies them. You have you heard that saying how, how do you say your name? De Leon? De Leon. You ever heard that saying, take gold from a filthy place? You can take gold from a filthy place. You can take knowledge from an ordinary person. So you might see ordinary person, but they, they have something of value. I can, you know, I can take it. Even though maybe I don't I don't approve of their lifestyle, but they have something I can take advantage of. So I see that. You have Mahatma. this good quality. Let me emulate it. Uh, Matma. Yes. I, I have two things to say, if I may. Where are you? Who's speaking? Fabio. Oh, Fabio. Can you see me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just... <laughs> yeah. Um, to, to give my experience of exactly what you're saying today, which I found really amazing. Thank you for doing that. Um, I found actually somebody that was from, uh, especially this person, uh, which is one of my ex-girlfriend, actually. Uh, so I get to know her well. Um, she's from actually an atheist family. Mm-hmm. They're scientists, like all of them. Yes. Even the uncle, the aunt, everybody. Uh, and she's uh, uh, nobody's religious, not spiritual. They believe is uh, is scientific, like uh, totally based. Yes. And uh, so is she. She doesn't have these kind of uh, questions. She never had. Um, maybe she's starting now or something because of me. But what I realize is she's a much better person than I am. Uh-huh. Much better. Incredible. Like uh, less defect. She's uh, much altruistic, more altruistic. And uh, she's not religious whatsoever. So um, I don't know how to connect there if uh, this is the kind of incarnation in her life, this life. Uh, she doesn't even need to be spiritual. Yeah, it yeah. comes from a path, from past life. Uh, it's it's um, it's, one of the weird, it's it's very strange, isn't it? Yeah, she's zero. She's not spiritual at all. But yeah. she, you compare her as a soul. Yes, she's much much better than many spiritual people, me included. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a. I think it's a good realization to have. Yeah. I have. I have the same experience um, with my mother-in-law. Very compassionate and, and so forth, giving, but basically an atheist, you know. 
you see suffering in the world and said there can't be God. So um, I think one of the things we learn from this, and I think what you're saying is I can be spiritual and not necessarily be manifesting good qualities. And it's an important, I actually have to develop them. Because you see what happens is there's this idea that if I'm spiritual, I will develop good qualities. And the idea is true. But you have to be very spiritual, not just beginning. Not necessarily will so many good qualities develop. It takes time. But because you're spiritual in and of itself, that is a good quality. You know, you're giving your life to God. That's a good quality. But it doesn't mean necessarily that all the corollary good qualities just show up at the same time. It could be a lifelong process or many lifetimes. So it's, it's an important realization to have. Otherwise, we go back to what I was saying before, right? We think, well, I'm spiritual, therefore I'm better than everyone. Which is the ultimate paradox, right? Because if you actually were spiritual, even if you were better than everyone, you would never think that way. And point number two, we see that, especially in this age, people practicing spiritual life, not necessarily better yet. They may be, they may not be. They're better because they're doing the right thing. They're on the right path. That's for sure. But um, it's a real. What you say is reality. We see it all the time, and I think it just makes the point more strongly that we shouldn't think because I do practices that automatically I'm spiritual. And I think from going down this chart, we can see that we actually have to do it. We can't think we're doing it when we're not doing it. I mean, it's good for the ego. It makes you feel good, right? I'm spiritual. I feel warm and fuzzy. But, you know, that's... It's not about feeling warm and fuzzy. <laughs> All right. Who else wants to share? Anyone have something depressing that they realized from doing this? I think D has something. You have something, D? that was... Shocking? Not necessarily. I mean, it was a bit depressing because I'd wanted to be a little bit more, a little bit less materialistic than I actually, you know, you know it suddenly dawned on me, you know, can yeah. you, uh, you know, are you, was it the second question or the third, I think? Um, on the second one, do you live simply? And then I looked across and saw my shoe rack, which is 40 years and just kind of literally do I need about 40 pairs of shoes kind of thing? So it did make me a tad depressed. But I think the question <laughs> I had was, you know, when we said, you know, we don't want to think about these kind of difficult questions because, you know, you kind of suddenly, you know, brings it brings you back down to reality but then what mm. about those people that we discussed earlier that seemingly think they're very spiritual they're all holy they're all compassionate but you know living breathing hypocrites how do yeah. you kind of kindly point them point it to them that actually <laughs> they're being massive hypocrites i mean my family is full of them you know that they, yeah, they, yeah. they claim they're the most religious they're, they're the most yeah. passionate and what have you happily eats meat and you know just just don't see the kind yeah. of you know blatant hypocrisy of you know yeah. their lifestyle so how do you compassionately well point it out to people like that um okay i'm going to answer your question but first I'm going to answer 
I'm going to give you an answer you didn't ask, because because I think there's not just one thing we have to do. Uh, one thing, there's a couple of things we have to do. When we see that, then we want to take note and say, okay, here here's a reality. These people are very religious, but it's not rubbing off on the heart. We see that all over the world. Every religion, you see that, right? People very religious, but in their daily life, <clears throat> they seem very materialistic or very maybe selfish uh, and so forth. And so we take note by looking at that. We without con condemning them, we take note. Oh, it's possible to be very religious and have not real, a real trace of spirituality. And so we think that could happen to me also. It's a possibility. So that's that's one thing. Instead of um, the second thing is the answer to the question you're asking is you may be able to do nothing, and it it only may be time and God within their heart that can do anything because sometimes it just takes time for people to understand. Maybe the end of their life they realize, you know, I spent my whole life being religious, but I never felt peace. I never felt close to God. And maybe that's what, you know, where they have a serious disease, they start reflecting. So um, it, it's a reality that we have to accept is that sometimes we can't change people and will happen in course of time when they're ready. The, the other thing, the other answer to your question is to be an example. Because if you live with less, but you're happier than them, maybe they'll notice and say, you're always happy, but you don't have what we have. Or, or, or oftentimes, um, I've seen like once someone becomes a devotee, gives their life to, to spiritual practice, and the other brothers and sisters don't, and the parents notice the difference, and let's say, you're always happy, or you're always, you know, grounded, and you don't need so much, but they're, you know, he's an alcoholic, and he's on his third marriage and he can't keep a job and why you know so they start to notice so sometimes um, you can only pray and you can only be an example and you can't change and i i think i think the problem in many religions is that it's kind of become a it's it's mixed up with the culture the culture is to be materially successful right and so then they use religion for material success because in the Hindu society, especially, I think, um, much more than the European society, your, where you live, where you work, your position at the job is more, is more important in that social status. Social status, isn't it? At least in India it is. Like, you know, if you're, if you're in India and you get a job and it's not a big company, your parents will, will say, why don't you get a job in a big company? There's more prestige, not enough prestige in this company. I want you to work. If you can work for Google, wow, that's huge. And if you become a manager, what to speak of a senior manager in Google, you know, you've, you've arrived, you're, you know, and your family's very proud of you and you fit in. And they will even go to the temple to pray to the deity so that you can get that senior manager job, isn't it? So then, then it kind of becomes a culture where, where the goal of life is material success and religion is just to support it. 
And it's so ingrained in the culture. How are you going to change that unless they actually start practicing spiritual life and experiencing something better? They won't be able to change, isn't it? <clears throat> so this is this is a huge problem, not just in Hinduism, but in every religion, that we're using God to become materially successful rather than coming closer to God to love him, we come closer to God so we can ask him for things. You know, let's say D, you're really wealthy and someone tells me, you know, D, is, she's like multi-billionaire. And I go, oh, I want to become her friend, you know. So, you know, I go to England and, I, you know, I see you and I call you up. You know, they're like, why is he calling me up? You're going to start to become suspicious. Why is he so nice to me? And he, why did he send me those flowers? You start thinking, oh, I bet he's going to ask for a donation. So that makes you very uncomfortable. So, you know, they're going to the temple and Krishna already knows why they're making the offering and giving the donation because they want to, you know, you know the joke, you know, he, go, he goes to the temple and he, he tells a deity, here, I'm giving, I'm giving a hundred pounds and I want you to help me win the horse race and I'll split it with you. So, you know, he, he bets and he thinks he's going to win a thousand pounds, right? And then he only won 500 pounds and he goes back to Didi and he goes, I guess, well, you already took your 500 pounds already. So, you know, I'll keep the other 500. So that's a big problem, a big reality. And it's a reality. So it's a, it's so ingrained in that culture. You really have to break out of that mold. And it's going to be hard for a lot of people. At least they go to the temple. That's good. There's, you know, maybe when they're older. So, And I think the other thing is also, it, it depends on, depends on us, what I've seen, um, it depends on us individually. Like, like, what is our background? What is our karma? What is our samskara? How, how spiritual are we by nature? How spiritual were we when we were born? You know, it comes out. You know, and so you're in the same family, but you look at all this and say, nah, it's not what I want. And your sister and brothers want it. So why you and not them? You're different. And that's just, you know, and it may take them lifetimes before they get to where you're at. And there's nothing you can do but be a good example. I didn't have any friends. I have all my friends. They never, they went to India when they were like 18, and but none of them really took spiritual life seriously. Strange. And they could have. So sometimes, you know, we just have to accept the reality. This is how it is. Okay, what's the time frame, Sham Govinda? What are we? So it's eight, but um I guess we all lost track of time because <laughs> it's been so wonderful and we just, it seems we're just getting into it. So, I don't know, maybe we can take a few more questions or comments and um, according also to your availability, then we can conclude with a little kirtan at the end, maybe five minutes okay. or okay. even less, just a little. Yeah. Like, uh, at the end. Okay, if we can go a little longer, if it's okay with everybody. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. If you have to leave, you know, that's fine. I won't, you know. I don't want to hold you here if you have to go. But if you can stay, that'd be nice. Um, Prabhu, would you mind making me the host again if we're done when we're done with the when the yeah. with the exercise? Yes, sir. You are now the host. Oh, thank you.
Yeah, I'm interested in hearing any other uh, realizations. From this exercise. You can actually base a whole, you can, you can base like three, four, five, six hours of work just on this because you pick, you pick what you need to work on and you start reflecting on it. And hopefully you'll do that. Hopefully that's something you got from this class, you know, a realization of what you need to work on. So <clears throat> anyone else want to share or ask a question? Hare Krishna Prabhu. Yes. I think um, Christina and I had similar feelings. So one of the things that we both um, felt was that it would be useful if we could have a, a friend, a close friend or family member that knows as well, that, um, but that also has, you know, like a compassionate, um, caring relationship of us to answer these questions with us because we both felt that this like there's certain areas of ourselves which we almost feel like we're blind to and we can't really yeah. see. Yeah, um, possible. It needs to be someone that we have a lot of trust and appreciation for because at the same time, she also mentioned that if you practice spirituality in certain communities, you sometimes feel that everyone's judging you all mm -hmm. the time. Yeah. And, and that can also, I think, you know, a lot of rules to be followed and you know there's all these expectations i think that can also kind of create anxiety um mm -hmm. for for someone so yeah. i don't know if you can comment on that so you're you're saying that um you can't be fully objective you were making two points first point you may not be objective you may not be objective <clears throat> and you need a friend who is Somebody's not going to judge you, but it'll help you to help you see if you've assessed yourself properly. I think that's a great point. And you were saying the second point is you're saying it may be hard because sometimes you're judged. And um, what does that mean? It may skew how you see yourself because people are expecting you to be some way you're not or something like that. I, I um, Certainly that's true. And, and I think that brings up the point that whenever you you do some kind of self-analysis, there's always that danger of being hard on yourself or feeling bad. And um, <clears throat> I said something this morning in class. Can't remember what it was, but it was good. Somebody wrote it in the chat what I said, but it was something about, about the reality of who we are and where we're at. And um, it's funny that I can't even remember what I said, isn't it? But I've I've said it in different ways, different times, but um, the reality of where we're at is the reality, and that can't be changed. The only thing that can be changed is what you do about it. So, if you become discouraged about your reality, that's going to work against you. So it's something that all of us have to be able to deal with, especially if we want to evolve spiritually. You have to start at this point of self-analysis and look at it. And not get depressed, basically looking at, it. and not like, oh my God, I'm such a mess, and how am I gonna, you know, how am I gonna do this? How am I gonna be successful? Um, that is a real trap, and that's why I was joking. You know, does anybody need <clears throat> medicine for depression after doing this exercise? Because it, it can be depressing, but there's 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 value 
to self-judgment without judgment, self-analysis without judgment. And anytime you do self-analysis, it has to be without judgment. Otherwise, it can become counterproductive because you find out, okay, this is what I need to work on. But then you think you start judging yourself and say, oh, I'm so bad that I have this problem. I shouldn't have this problem. And then you lose energy to work on it. So, well, what's the use, you know? <clears throat> I'm so bad, or I've been chanting for so many years and I still have this problem, what's the use? So then the self-analysis, you defeat yourself in the self-analysis when it's just meant to give you a, a, a location, you know? Where are you? It's a GPS. Okay, this is where I am. This is where I am on the universal map in my spiritual practice. That's all it's meant to do. It's not meant to be a judgment. Oh, this is where I am, and then judge it. So I think that's where we run into problems. If if you know anything about Buddhism, in Buddhism, you're taught to look at things without judgment. So you don't fall into that trap. Just observe it, but don't judge it. So I think that's really important. Uh, self-observation without judgment is the way it has to work. If it's self-observation with judgment, then either you'll become arrogant. I'm so great. I got 300. I got 301. I go, how did you get 301? Oh, I gave myself 11 on one because I'm so great. Then you, So you get arrogance on one end or how was your score? Uh, I only got 30 points. It's just like low self-esteem. Everything I do is bad. You know, <clears throat> So then you'll end up you'll end up at either extreme and and you don't want that. You want self-analysis without judgment. That's really important. And it it's not otherwise you think, well, you know, I do have envy and I shouldn't and that's bad. Um, but it just is. It doesn't have to be bad, it just is. And then you can make it better. And how will you make it better until you realize it is, right? So <clears throat> that is my personal realization. And that is something I've learned also from studying just the nature of the mind. And if we can't master the mind, the mind will destroy us. It'll eat us alive, isn't it? Your mind can discourage you when things are difficult. Your mind can belittle you. Your mind can make you feel bad, even when you haven't done something bad. It will just analyze it and say, well, actually, it's bad. Or my mother would think it's bad. Well, she'll think everything's bad, but it doesn't mean it's bad. So, you know, the mind will like, <laughs> your mind will drive you crazy, right? So we don't want, we want to be careful not to allow the mind to discourage us. And that's why, that's why, it's not, you know, there are many reasons it says in the yoga practice you need to control your mind. But one of them, one of the reasons you need to control your mind is so it doesn't destroy you. It doesn't undermine you, your efforts. So, ladies and gentlemen, I have something to tell you that will be very encouraging. We're all messed up. Does that make you feel good? You're not the only one. That makes me feel so good that I'm not the only messed up person. No. Don't worry, you're not the only messed up one. And don't worry, there are people who are more messed up than you. Even if you think you're the most messed up person in the universe, I can guarantee you there are people who are struggling more than you. So, <clears throat> but I think even more encouraging news 
is there are many people who are spiritually evolved who are more messed up than you when they started. So that's very encouraging that the process works if you stick to it. So we have a realization from Sham Govinda. We want to read that. Sham Govinda says, realization for me was that if my spiritual practices don't soften my heart, I really have to introspect and look deeper into whether I am practicing properly and sincerely. Very good. Oh, then Lakshmi Priya says, and your mind can create a fake idea of what other people think about you in the reality. Okay, so maybe we can end with a joke based on what Lakshmi Priya said. You know, what's this person? I know what this person is thinking of me. You know that there's a couple jokes. There's one joke, and this guy brought his car in to be repaired, and he spent all kinds of money, and he's driving with his girlfriend, and then the the engine light comes on and he's like so angry that he spent all this money and it didn't get fixed properly. So he's going off in his mind, like these guys are the auto repair guys. They ripped me off and I spent so much money and still it doesn't work. And, and they don't know how to fix car. He's going off. I mean, his mind is just racing and she's looking at him and she's thinking, he doesn't like me. He's mad at me. I did something wrong. And he's just thinking about the guys at the auto shop, how much he doesn't like them. And she's thinking about how much he hates her and how he's going to, you know, end the relationship. And she's going, so it's true. But here's the joke. That was also a joke. Here's the joke. When you're 20, you're worried about <clears throat> what everybody's thinking about you. Because especially when you're young, being accepted is really important. But then you get like 40, 50, you're just like, I don't care what people are thinking. Then you get 60 and 70 and you realize nobody was thinking about you in the first place because everyone was too busy thinking about what everyone else was thinking about them to be thinking about you. So that's the joke, but it's true. <laughs> so should we do some kirtan? Is that a good okay. idea? Yes. Yeah. One um, more question. The Leon still had a question he would <laughs> like to ask if possible. Who would like to ask? Uh, De Leon, who uh, you made okay. a comment as well. Okay. Where did Sorry, you go? Hare Krishna. Oh, um, uh, it dawned on me that it seems as if a sentiment that this is indeed an earth school and where you have to study and to learn as students, it just dawned on me. I'm not sure if anyone one would like to share some thoughts on that. And secondly, my question is, um, to what extent is Krishna involved in us making progress in the 30 points that we, um, that you noted? Because yeah. um, a previous Prabhu um, once said, and I'm paraphrasing that Krishna sometimes sends people on our path, not because of our karma, but to point out something to us in our character. And mm -hmm. it dawned on me, a specific point is that, one that says, I am tolerant of difficult people and provoking situations. And I'm just thinking that only now can I be grateful for it because it showed me something. So um, yeah, that's a yeah. fantastic point. And it's true. We were having class this morning and we we're reading some points about this in which, which um, Prabhupada said, if I'm sincere, Krishna knows, Krishna guides, Krishna helps, I'll always be successful. 
I can I cannot fail. He knows he's within. And if there's sincerity, he'll fulfill that desire. And as you said, the fulfillment of the desire may come in the form of another person pointing out something that will help us go further. Sometimes it's painful because they'll point out a fault. But if you're if if like you said, you understand it in this way, you'll understand, oh. Krishna sent this person <clears throat> for a reason because I needed to learn something. And maybe I couldn't learn it from a book, so I had to learn it from life, a real life experience, and he arranged that. And when it happens, you, you'll know it because you know you had to learn that. And you'll know, Krishna, you sent this to me. It's so obvious. So obvious. Can I tell you a story? This is a, this is a, this is a good story. It's a story of, of something obvious. Uh, when I was... Um, how old was I? I was 20. I was in San Francisco, and I was <clears throat> asked to go manage one of our centers in Vancouver, Canada. So I went there. It was very, very difficult for me. I didn't want to be there. <clears throat> but because I'm not American, I had to get immigration. And because it was during the Vietnam War, so many young people were immigrating to Canada because they wouldn't be drafted. So I went to the lawyer, and the lawyer said, there's too many people immigrating to Canada. You'll never, you'll never get your green card to stay there. And I said, actually, I don't want the green card, but I'm just applying for it because it's my duty to do this service and they want me to stay here, but I actually want to leave. I don't like it here. <clears throat> I, I'm really in anxiety doing this service. So to make a long story short, there was absolutely no reason I should have gotten the green card and I got it in like three minutes. Just boom, 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 boom. I got it. And as soon as I got it, <clears throat> it was like Krishna was sitting next to me going, just making a look at me like, okay, you're supposed to be here. You know? And so it was obvious that that's where I was supposed to be. That's where my service was meant to be. Otherwise, I never would have got the green card. So sometimes you have an event in your life. It's so obvious what the lesson is. And I was resistant. And as soon as that happened, I accepted. I said, this is divine will. This is what I'm supposed to do. I was peaceful. So if you look for those signs, you'll see them. They'll show up everywhere and you'll know. Oh, this is, this is Krishna making this arrangement. And you never have to worry if you're sincere in your spiritual practice. It will always happen all the time. Your whole life will just be a series of events helping you. Sometimes uh, it'll be difficult. Sometimes it'll be very pleasing, but you'll be helped all along. So there's a lot to look forward to. Is that okay? You made another point in the beginning. I forgot. I don't know if this related to that point or it's the same point. Um, are you speaking to me, Prabhu? Yeah, yeah. The first point you oh. made. The same or different? Oh, I said something along the lines of it dawned on me the sentiment that this is earth school and we are all students yeah. Yeah. learning. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> same point, same point. I once heard a very wise man say, you cannot learn, you cannot learn unless you fail. There's some things you cannot learn, you have to try and fail. Mm. So, um, it is a university. So keep trying.
then you will fail. Don't worry. <laughs> I prom I can give you a guarantee. <laughs> Sometimes you will fail, fail, but don't worry. That's just required. You will do the wrong thing and people will be unkind and people will humiliate you and so many things will happen. But that's part of the learning process. So, De Leon, the next time someone humiliates you, you can think, okay, what am I going to do now? Here's the test. It's like, you know, I'm fighting some guy and I just got hit in the face. Now what am I going to do? Run away? I have to know, you know, how to respond. And I can think, okay, here's a chance to respond with some humility or some arrogance. Which one am I going to do? So every everything's an opportunity. Every event's an opportunity. You know how many opportunities have you had in your life to apologize? Did you apologize every time you had an opportunity? Probably not. But we have unlimited opportunities to say, I'm sorry, unlimited opportunities to become humble, and limited, limited opportunities to admit mistakes. Do we take them all? Not necessarily. So yes, life is a university, and opportunities are always there. And if you want to learn, you'll learn, no doubt. If you don't want to learn, the universe will come crashing down in your head and you won't learn anything. It's possible. Do you agree, Delion? Makes sense. What city are you in? I am in Cape Town, South Africa. Oh, you're in Cape Town. Okay, we'll see you there next time I go. They have summer now in South Africa. They're living it up. Okay, so we should do Kirtan, right? We still have time? Yes, Kirtan. Okay, let's do a little Kirtan. You want to dance or you want to meditate? Is that okay? Dancing? I want to dance. Everybody stand up and dance? Yeah, we could <laughs> pull up a reggae beat or something. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. Hmm, I have dance beats. <laughs> yeah. Not <laughs> too over the top. Mm. This is a new... Okay, we'll do something. Okay, so one last note. Um, we want to thank Mahatma with all our heart for being with us tonight. We are planning to do a course with Mahatma Prabhu early next year, so please stay tuned. And this is Wisdom Wednesdays every Wednesday night 
We have this incredible international satsanga with different guests and different uh, speakers, friends. So it's very inspiring. Please feel free to join us again and again and again. Thank you very much for being with us tonight. And thank you very much, Mahatma Prabhu, uh, for the association and the inspiring, you know, <clears throat> inspiration. And we now conclude with the final ecstatic kirtan. Please get ready to dance. Okay. Hari Bol. Hare Krishna, everyone. Have a wonderful rest of your evening. Ah uh-huh. 
Hare Krishna Hare Krishna 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 Hare 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 Rama Hare Rama 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 Hare 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 Krishna Hare Krishna 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 Hare 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 Rama Hare Rama Krishna Krishna Hare 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 Rama Hare Rama 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 Hare Hare Okay, let's dance Hare Krishna Hare Krishna 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 Hare 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 Rama Thank you all for coming. Hope I was able to help you in some way. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Mahatma Prabhu. Thank you everybody for being with us. Um, there's going to be more, more, more. Um, mm. Hopefully next year. Thank you, thank you. And uh, Hare Krishna, have a good, good night. Stay safe, stay blissful, stay humble. Hare Thank you. Hare Krishna. Nice to be with you. See you all.
See you. So now that the um, now that the vaccine's coming, once we finally get in America, and um, oh my gosh, so you know if the vaccine doesn't kill us, then you know, that's another thing. But then maybe we'll see you sometime in the summer or fall. Yes, time. looking forward to it. Okay, Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna.